everybody, and welcome to the Energetic Principles Podcast. I'm your host, Melissa LaFera, an astrologer, tarot consultant, and all-around creative from sunny San Diego, California. And this is the 118th episode of the podcast, airing August 20th, 2021. Now, in this episode, I'm pleased to present to you my discussion with Cassandra Tyndall, who is back on the podcast, and she came to chat with me all about Virgo season 2021. Now, she is one of my favorite Aussies, so I'm so happy to have her back on the program. And really, we get down to the nitty gritty of this year's Virgo transit, which is a season filled with earth and air trines, and which has the appearance of being one of the quote unquote easier uh, and more flowing periods of this, you know, seemingly volatile year. And we exchange views on the two primary lunations planets moving from dignity to detriment, the influence of Neptune and Pluto back-to-back, and how this time period precursors the extremely dynamic months that lie in wait. The keywords of strategy and adaptation are encouraged, along with the Girl, Girl Scouts' motto, be prepared. Now, a fabulous way to show appreciation for this podcast and my astrological efforts is by making a one-time donation over at Mel's Tip Jar or by booking a personal consultation with yours truly, all of which can be done directly through my website over at energeticprinciples.com. Now, on an additional note, remember my brilliant Gemini Eclipse season guest, Shu Yap, another fellow Aussie? She, uh, you know, I just think she is the bee's knees, and I am delighted to be an affiliate for her upcoming four-week course on solar returns, which is being brought to you by Christina Caudill of Radiant Astrology. And so starting September 1st, which is right around the corner, Shu will be teaching four consecutive Wednesday evenings on this indispensable annual prediction technique. And so week one is going to cover solar return fundamentals. Week two is going to show you how to combine solar returns with the natal chart, because that is important. Uh, And then week three opens your eyes to solar returns over multiple years to recognize patterns, repetitions, and planetary returns that happen in very special years. And of course, week four is going to be a summarization and an integration through case studies and student examples. And so I just know this is going to be an amazing course. So if you want to sharpen your toolkit with an outstanding teacher, this is your opportunity. Now, the course is going to be $297 as a single payment, or you can do two monthly payments of $160. To enroll, you can click the link in the podcast description, wherever you're listening to this podcast, or you can head on over to my website or to my Instagram link tree. I'll have a link there as well, because I know she is going to bring so much to the table. She is so thorough, so knowledgeable, and this is not something you're going to want to miss. All right, so who's ready to hear Cassandra and I pick apart Virgo season bit by bit? Here we go. Now let's meet our guest. All right, I am so happy to welcome back to the program. We have Cassandra Tyndall with us once again. Thank you for joining me, Cassandra. Thanks so much, Mel. It's good to be here. Yeah, I think it's been a while. If you've been a longtime listener to the podcast, you know that Cass has joined me on a handful of occasions. Uh, we do seem to link up during Mercury retrogrades, but uh, we're a little ahead of the game on this one with Virgo yeah. season. <laughs> yeah, that's our trend, isn't it? And uh, Mercury retrogrades. But I guess, you know, Virgo still got the Mercury vibe. So we're still 
you know, on, on brand. I suppose. We're still on brand. We're still doing Mercury here. Yeah. Oh, I love it. But so before we get started here with Virgo season, uh, just in case you are not familiar with Cassandra, will you give the listeners a little background on yourself? Yeah, for sure. I mean, if you can't tell already, I'm an Australian. And uh, so coming to you from the future, because <laughs> what is it? Friday morning here, Thursday afternoon for you, technically. Yeah. Well. So yeah, I, I'm, I'm an astrologer, work full time, I have a teaching program, I see clients, I write stuff. And when I'm not doing that, I tend to, you'll find myself in the gym when they are open. <laughs> which is a bit of a thing here in Australia right now. Yes, Australia is yeah. currently in the in the lockdown status, is that right with the unfortunate where I am in the state that I live, um but I'm bracing myself, put it that yes. way. Well, mm. yes, yeah, so this is the best that we can do right now is, is bracing ourselves. Um but uh which is interesting because we're here to talk about Virgo season this year and the interesting thing about Virgo season is it seems to have the most uh, kind of flowing aspects going on that have been going on all that other than all the other aspects that have been going on all year. So there seems to be movement to Virgo season, would you say? Yeah, for sure. Having sort of these, like there's a lot of energy around trines, a bit more mutability coming back into the piece. And so, you know, there is wiggle room this month, whereas (laughs) I think, you know, the last sort of, you know, month or so it has really been sort of a a stalemate but uh now we can move into those um i guess the autumn for you guys or the fall starting to move into that season slowly and starting to see that sort of shift and the change that is representative of the sun moving into virgo that mutability coming out of the summer the first glimpses of the or the fall i should say for the u.s listeners um (laughs) And obviously the reverse is true here. We start to see those first, you know, those first almost little signs of spring coming through. Mm. Oh, my garden is definitely showing that at the moment. So, yeah, I do. I am really personally looking forward to a little bit of more uh, that mutable energy. You know, mutable is really great for movement. You know, after that, that fixed, that rigid, that locked in, uh, energy that we're coming out of. There is a little bit of um, thinking about things differently, maybe taking in some fresh perspectives um, and sort of just analyzing perhaps, you know, your place in the bigger picture of things right now. Yeah. And and we've already been getting a taste of mutable energy because uh, Mercury and Mars have been doing their, their uh, tour through that area. And yeah. actually, as uh, Cass and I are talking, uh, Mercury and Mars are conjunct and trining Uranus and Taurus. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and Venus gave us a taste too, because she's now in Libra. So we've been introduced to Virgo by all the, you know, uh, all of our personal planets here. And so the sun following suit, just kind of a always really seals the deal. I I think with the, uh, with the energy. Yeah, for sure. I mean, um, the sun, you know, being the brightest light, that source of, you know, energy, it's the powerhouse of everything, spirit, soul, solar system, everything. (laughs) So we just really will sort of spotlight that particular house in your birth chart. And it's, you know, what the mutable signs really sort of show us is 
we're not there yet, but the change is coming through. The new mm. season is about to arrive, you know, and it's that sort of mutable sort of reminds me of, you know, when you're walking out of your front door in the morning and you got one foot in inside and the foot's about to go, you know, over that front doorstep. Um, it's that, yeah, we're, we're not there yet, but we're almost there. And, you know, Virgo as a sign ruled by Mercury, which is still currently in Virgo, you know, it is almost this sort of deconstructive energy coming through. So you can rebuild or prepare or batten down the hatches or, you know, figure things out, you know, what can you pull apart and rebuild and improve? And, you know, this ingress, the sun's ingress sort of fresh off the Mercury-Mars conjunction, um, and a full moon that we're moving into, it is sort of, it's a strategic sort of end to the mm. month of August. Planning, yeah. preparation, you know, it's um like the, the scouts, you know, was it this girl scouts, boys? The girls, yeah. girl scouts. Yeah, what was their logo? Was oh, their and I was thing? one and I can't remember. I'm, um, I'm a bad girl scout. Um, be, be prepared. Was it be prepared or was prepared or something? I feel yeah, like it sounds good. And, and Virgo loves to be prepared. Virgo loves yeah. a good plan, right? You know, yeah. and, and, and like, as you're talking about, you know, one foot in, and one foot in the door, one foot out. It's very threshold energy, you know, like that's what I'm yes. imagining mm. and, and that stepping over the threshold. Um, but the duality that lives there, you know, like you pointed out with mutable uh, energy being uh, double bodied in nature. And so there's a duality that we get to play with in this in-between space, which, you know, and that's why Virgo loves the idea of perfection, or at least trying to have that because we're trying to mold something into uh, a different form. And so we can like kind of cut off certain things and, 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 you know, shape that and maybe add a little more clay over there. I'm imagining a sculptor right now, like, yeah, you know, yeah. like less of that, a little more of that. And yeah. yeah, it's a refining type of energy. Yeah. Well, for myself, Virgo is my fourth house. And one of my uh, little things about Virgo season, which I do really thrive in is that cleanliness is next to godliness. <laughs> <laughs> and I love a pristine house. And you know, one thing that I really do love about Virgo season is um, it, it's a really unusual sign in the sense that it is Earth, but also ruled by Mercury. So it's kind of cerebral and, and heady, but it's also grounded and in the body. And I think, you know, 2021, you know, there's just such an air energy, you know, it's facts, data, truth ideals, all these things sort of floating around the interwebs. And Virgo season is almost that sort of, oh, just take in that deep breath and disconnect from that a little bit and get grounded in the body, you know, and that's where you'll find your, I guess, feeling of truth is yeah. from, you know, the sun coming back into the sign of the body, you know what I mean? Like the um, that, that earth sign groundedness, hands in the garden, feet on the earth. And just, it's got this sort of, it's still moving, but Virgo being earth is still very stabilizing. And it's this beautiful, you know, I get my body right, get my mind right. You know, that sort of strategic dotting the I's, crossing the T's and you can move forward with things. And so there is this beautiful 
you know, if I just eat the right foods, it'll improve my mindset. Or Mm. if I do some exercise, it can clear my mind. Like it just reminds us that to really reconnect to the body and those maybe somatic type of practices or things that can really reset and calm you. That's what I think Virgo is really good for doing. Mm, Absolutely. Like the, and I feel like the body has so much wisdom in it, you know, and, and when we disconnect from it too much and there is too much air and heady energy and logistics and things I've read or things I've heard or, you know, just floating around. And that's how we get disconnected and we get scattered. Um, and that is the beauty of earth signs in general. But, uh, of course, Virgo being more, uh, you know, typically known as being the more health conscious of, uh, of, of earth signs. And because it it works with the idea of assimilation and, 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 you know, the gut and the system, you know, how we break down and process things, um, really listening to our, I guess where I'm going with this is like really listening to our body's wisdom. And if we are too much in our heads, uh, to, like you say, pull it back down in order to hear the wisdom of the gut, because there's just as much there's, there's so much wisdom in what your body has to say, oh, a lot of, you know, yeah. <laughs> um, it reminds me of what my Nana used to say when I was a kid, she'd say, always trust your gut Cassie. Cause the mind will play tricks on you. On you. Yes. I love that. <laughs> I love that yeah. for Virgo or for Gemini rising <laughs> to hear that. <laughs> yeah. So it was a nice reminder to you. Yeah. Like if something, you know, it doesn't feel right and you know, when you think about making a decision, we can go head first, head strong, or we can just sit into the space and find that sweet spot of connection. And I think that truly is the heart, you know, and the Virgo moving into the sign of the sun can really remind us where that we think of so much that our minds are the, the brain, but it truly is the heart. And when you can lead from that place it comes from such a place of sovereignty and integrity that the mind doesn't always get to. And so when the sun goes into Virgo, it can just remind us that that our hearts are sort of closer to our stomachs and, you know, really Mm. grounding, getting to that, you know, really practical, methodical, but not stagnant because it's still ruled by Mercury, right? Yeah. And Mercury likes to be on the move. Mercury is all about, uh, you know, always juggling some balls, having things in motion. It's just, that's the nature of Mm. of Mercury. And I love that, uh, real quick to say, uh, to play off what you just said, because, um, there's an astrologer out there, uh, Christopher Witecki, who I used to follow uh, way back in the day. He's, he's a fun, he's a, funny character, uh, love him. But what I always thought was interesting that he said about Virgo was if, if Leo is, I, I love, you know, like the concept of love and passion and fire and that spirit Virgo is, I love myself and I love myself some more. And so it's the idea of taking Mm. that Leo energy and actually embodying it and Mm. becoming it in that way. And that's why, you know, like Virgo is the sign of saying no, (laughs) you know, and we can say no in relation to what, uh, feels right for us. And and we know is true and in our hearts and how we want to mold our lives, uh, from a reality standpoint. Um, and you know, Mercury using words as Mercury would to communicate, uh, whether inside we tell ourselves, no, 
uh, and cut that wheat from the chaff. Like that's the idea of Virgo too, or we express that outside of ourselves. So, um, I guess sacred nose could be (laughs) definitely something of Virgo season, I would say. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Love it. So, well, Virgo season actually officially starts uh, Sunday, August 22nd. Now, of course, depending on where you're listening to this, uh, whether you are here in the US or in Australia or anywhere in the world, because you know, I, I don't, I'm sure there's other people out there who listen to this program. Um, I have calculated the, the dates for Pacific time. So there could be Australia could be a little bit ahead if you're listening there, just FYI, double check. Um, yeah, it'll be the 23rd for us, Monday morning, fresh yeah. start, new season. <laughs> there you go. There you go. New season, new week. But like you pointed out early, uh, earlier, that the beauty of this uh, ingress is that it literally just comes off of like a 29 degree full moon. Like it's like man, mm. Leo and Aquarius, like give it's like last hurrah. And then all of a sudden Virgo comes in. You're like, what? How did? <laughs> and everything shifts right away. So there's something to be said about Virgo season kind of starting on a full moon energy anyways, because full moon energy, I mean, granted it's beginning to wane ever so slightly after once it goes in there, but, um, you know, energy is ripe. It, it's starting yeah. from a ripe position. Mm, yeah. That's a really good point. Um, that it, it's almost like the entrance of the sun in Virgo is kind of amplified or heightened or spotlighted in some way um and it also might bring a nice groundedness after this last sort of you know few weeks with leo um and coming back into just you know the simple the simple things and that's what i enjoy about virgo there is a a simplicity to it it doesn't mean it's not complex but it's a simplicity, you know, back to basics, pair things back. It's um, a really good sign of essentialism in that way. And, you know, with the Mercury rulership, the concept of deconstructing. And that's sometimes where I think Mercury, uh, sorry, not Mercury, Virgo as a sign, you know, I don't like how it just sort of gets reduced to this frenetic, anxiety-ridden, indecisive um, you know, helper. And, you know, you said it really well, it's the sort of sign of saying no. And you can do that with Virgo once you embody the groundedness of it. And this sort of that it's, it's a cold, dry earth sign. Yes. So there is that separating quality, combine that with the deconstruction of Mercury, but also how can I'm destructing, pulling apart in order to make things better. So it's almost like, okay, um, I'm going to do a detox, for example. And so you eliminate a whole bunch of things from the diet or from the lifestyle so you can improve and make better and, um, and, and move forward in that way. And so, you know, we've, as you said, we've already had a fair bit of this, but Mercury, the sun seals the deal. And I look to that part of your birth chart, where can you take that less is more approach or take a more essentialism type of approach by embracing what is grounded and embodied. And I think one thing I've really experienced with client work this year in particular, it really peaked in February when we had, you know, it was Aquarius City (laughs) and just people are so in their heads and disconnected from their body. Mm. And when we can really get connected to the body, it, it's 
all we got, right? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is what keeps us here. When you talk about like from a spiritual standpoint, it's like, <laughs> yeah, it's, a, it's our know? house. It's, it's our, our house. It is. It's our, mm-hmm. you know, the body is our, our temple. It is like, yeah. So, um, and that's exciting about Virgo season. I love the idea of a detox and cleanse too, whether that is, mm-hmm. uh, whether that's literal for some people, you know, it could be a great time to do th- those types of things to kind of like, you know, because if you're taken in, be conscious of what you're taking in because that affects the whole spirit and the mindset and how well you can function, but also, you know, metaphorically speaking with, um, uh, emotions or thoughts or literally your house and think, you know, like, like, Cass was saying, look to what house this actually uh, goes down for you, because that will kind of show more of what area of life, whether it is more of a mental perspective, maybe if it's a third house thing, or it is more of a a money material with the second house, et cetera. So you can kind of see where you're clearing the clutter, so to speak, Mm. (laughs) of your life. Yeah. I love the less is more approach with Virgo. Yeah. Well, cause when there's like, mm-hmm. when you, that's the beauty of refinement and, um, you know, kind of precision of what you want to actually follow through with, because that's the beauty of mutable signs that the mutable signs come right before we get the Cardinal. And if the Cardinal is going to turn the wheel and activate, if we know what it is, that is what our less is that is more valuable. Cause you know, there's the idea of uh, quality over quantity then we hone that in and we can more successfully move forward because there's not all this superfluous stuff in the way. Um, mm. It helps us more pinpoint the energy to be more effective and more efficient because that's another thing about Virgo is the efficiency that goes along with the energy. Yeah, um, exactly. So to speak. And things are going to be moving because that's the be- that's the interesting part about Virgo season is we actually have a lot of earth trines going on um, from Virgo to Taurus, but also Virgo to Capricorn. Um, and then we have uh, air trines uh, with, you know, Venus in Libra there, uh, you know, starting off things with a grand trine to Saturn. Uh, and the North node basically around the time, I mean, just before the full moon before Virgo season, but Venus actually trines Saturn, uh, the, on the 23rd, the day right after the Virgo ingress. So, yeah, yeah. So there's all in all, and you know, Mercury is going to move into Libra. Mars is going to move into Libra. And so we're going to see these sequential earth trines and, air trines and mm. trines, you know, that's, a, that's an open pathway. Things are moving. Yeah. Uh, it, it's, it's not always easy to tell the quality <laughs> depending on yeah. what's moving towards what, but, uh, things are moving in that regard. So, yeah. I mean, and when you contextualize 2021, you know, one thing I think is great about the Virgo season and, and September for the most part, there is some really like there's no eclipses, uh, there's no Saturn Uranus dynamics. Um, so it is plus all these trines, it's actually pretty calm energy. And, you know, this last month has felt a little bit skippy in the headlights, right? Or dear, if you're in the week. <laughs> oh, skippy. Skippy. <laughs> the kangaroos. <laughs> Skippy in the headlight. That's funny. So yeah, we just refer to kangaroos as Skippy. It was a show from like way back when. It was Skippy the Bush Kangaroo. Um, Yeah. So yeah, Skippy in the headlights because 
you know, these big squares just were so active and, it, you know, do you go this way, that way, what have you? It's just this sort of like standoff. Whereas now we're just moving into some grounded trines, okay, productivity that happens with flow. Like that's what I love about earth trines. It's it's not as stuck, okay? And then you've got the air trine. So it's almost like, to me, there's this feeling of, okay, there's this inspired idea or I get a thought or something and then I can go into that space of flow and manifest it or I got an idea to do the thing and then the follow through was quite easy. Yeah. So, you know, which, I mean, obviously, depending on where you are on the planet, the reality, it, it seems to be seasonal, right? So Australia's having its moment at, right now. And there's so many things that I personally want to do. And I'm thinking, I'm not going to even book that ticket to see this band or do that thing, because chances are it's not going to happen. But with the energy of this season, it feels like, oh, well, maybe it might. Yeah. Well, you know? And you know, what's funny is that I feel like a lot of people had booked it for, like, I have a friend, um, that was supposed to go to the South of France and in the end of, uh, or not the end, but during September and, and that just recently got canceled. So it's almost like the energy was there to do things, but during the hard energy that we just went through, everything was canceled. So we might find that everything was canceled only to then show up to realize, oh, maybe we could have done it. Yeah. Uh, anyways, yeah. and the, and the irony that kind of goes along with, with that, but, um, yeah, it, it's, uh, it's unpredictable. And that's another thing with mutability mm. is we have to go through with some sort of flow and that's trying too. It's, it's going with the flow and we'll see where that flows takes us in that particular moment. Um, but I do like the, I do like Venus, uh, or like, I like to think I like Venus trining Saturn, uh, and being in proximity with the North node there. Um, do you have any thoughts on Venus and Libra or that kind of configuration of, of air between our, that kind of kicks yeah, off Virgo? I mean, when I was doing, um, the highlights for August, like for my um, membership, it was really one of my standout features for the month of August because we have Venus in domicile, Saturn in domicile and forming that trine and Saturn really loves Libra, right? So it's, there is this sense of, I spoke about it as being um, a aspect of forming long lasting agreements or coming to some type of compromise that works uh, particularly around long-term Venusian things. So uh, agreements around relationships um, or, you know, those sort of things or even things to do with, um, you know, even a sense of legality or, and and that's happening in Australia, things are happening in that respect as well. Um, but it is sort of like, okay, let's get on the same page with what the long-term story is going to be. And of course, the converse may be true in some situations where um, uh, there could also be this, okay, well, if you've come to the end of the road with something, there can be this conscious closure or a harmonious completion or ending with, you know, Saturn being there as well. So, and I guess, um, so what are we now at time of recording? It's the 20th for me. And so this happens uh, next week. And it's interesting, um, you know, I don't sort of really want to get too much in the politics or anything, but 
I did see that this could be a strengthening influence for women's issues. Um, with Saturn liking Venus, it's like, hey, well, we can do the right thing. And, um, you know, this might be where uh, positions of authority may uh, support women. Obviously, with what's happened in Afghanistan over this week, we might see that, you know, uh, some type of uh, uh, support coming through with them or getting women out of the country or, you know, doing things that are right or fair in some ways. And those that level of support being there, I think, can be helpful too. Um, what are your thoughts around that? I mean, it's one of my favorite yeah. aspects for this month. Yeah. Yes, I loved it too. I thought it was. Um, I thought it was very promising uh, for a lot of what you first talked about with just getting on the same page with um, other people. Uh, mm. whether that is, you know, personal relationships, um, friendships, uh, creative, uh, endeavors that people are working on together with shared ideas that are going to take time to develop. Um, and, uh, you know, any type of, uh, kind of like overall social, social, uh, maybe we'll have some peace in, in <laughs> for a few, for a few days in, in the social realm. Um, who knows about yeah. that, but, uh, yeah. but it also makes me think about things like Britney Spears, you know, and her for just sure. finding justice or on the, on the verge of hopefully finding justice and in stories that are along those lines. Um, yeah, and she's a very Venus Saturn chart as well. Her very yeah. chart. And I, I think rising. it's near, yeah, it's near her, um, yeah, cause Saturn's on her moon and, and, uh, Venus is probably getting close to her ascendant and her Saturn there. Cause I know it's over there exalted mm, in, in yeah. uh, Libra. So, um, I, I like it. I like it. It can get a little crunchy maybe with the opposition to Chiron, like a few days later, if you follow kind of Chironic things. So she's not completely out of the woods There could still be some things to learn or some, uh, some things to get through through the idea of I versus we, you know, <laughs> where it's like, we come to agreements and then Chiron comes around and was like, hold on. Well, we agreed on this, but then it's like, but I, but I'm feeling this way, or I need to stand up for this. And so, and then it comes back to, uh, so it could be a little like settling, but then a few days later, there might be still some things to hash out that are, uh, put that kind of I versus we consciousness back into, um, motion. Um, especially since Mercury in Virgo there is then in a position where it's going to oppose Neptune and trying Pluto. So there's something to be said about our dialogue, uh, you know, coming, even though Venus, she wants to cooperate. She's in that nice place with Saturn, but there's something about conversation and, and just where the head's at in general, which can be very, uh, dreamy and idealistic, um, to then have the, the kind of like reality of the Plutonian aspect that comes after it during those two spaces. So, um, yeah, these, these whole Neptune oppositions, Neptune, the, the way it's set up where it just goes Neptune, Pluto, you know, yeah. from, it's very interesting to me. Yeah. I think it's sort of like tying in the themes together, like, you know, I think of like a rich or powerful imagination. Um, actually, speaking of this dynamic of this week, uh, a friend of mine discovered that I had never watched Lord of the Rings. <laughs> and uh, he's a real Tolkien nerd. And so he said to me, uh, you need to watch this or I'll have to, you know, delete you. Or it's so, over. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so Venus Saturn, okay, we're going to come to this ah! agreement. <laughs> 
That's funny. And uh, so anyway, a couple of weeks ago, I watched it and I thought, wow, this is definitely this kind of Mercury. I mean, I'm sure there's plenty of, uh, you know, Lord of the Rings fans out there that have dived into it so much more than I have. Um, and I was always aware of the, the, the major themes, but I could really see um, this Mercury uh Neptune, Pluto, like imagining realms that are, you know, so deep, you know, in the earth or like middle earth kind of thing, or imagining this like rich, deep, powerful, imaginative type of things, or this sort of divine psychicness, like what's at the root of all things. And, you know, this is hot off a Venus Saturn trine. So it might really be these deep, relationship discussions could flow through off of that or you know a profound transformative insight around something along those lines and I really think too that this is um these Mercury Neptune uh, sorry Mercury Neptune Pluto aspects um as we enter Virgo season can also be really great for some type of ancestral lineage work Mm. you know to really dive deeply into the past or into this realm that is very real but also very intangible so really opening up those kind of gateways um, that can show improvements in all forms of relationships um, Mm. and just the way we relate to each other I think is really important and so much of what's happening in the world is a result of those connections not being made so I think it is a really sort of um it's an interesting portal this first week of, it is. <laughs> of Virgo season for sure. Yeah, yeah. And and I think that is kind of the nice thing about Mercury actually being in its own sign in Virgo and now having the sun deferring to it as it goes through this op- these oppositions with Neptune and the trine to Pluto, um, which once again are basically kind of midweek, like Tuesday the 24th through uh, Thursday the 26th, Six, give or take yeah. some days. Um is that because Mercury does have that uh, ability to discern behind it, because that's the, dif- that's the difficult thing with Neptune is it's like, well, what is real? What, if I'm getting this vision or I'm having this intuition, is it, it, you know, if Mercury is in less of a, in a place that's not as strong, maybe to decode that or to kind of, mm. uh, you know, get the actual nutrients and, and the, the richness out of what it's dealing with in that, you know, kind of nebulous realm, uh, it can get misconstrued. It can get confusing. It can get doubtful. It could get uh, a couple of days later. You're like, what the was I thinking? Or I heard mm. this all wrong or, you know, yeah. things along that, but there's something to be said about Mercury's uh, analytical and realistic capabilities in Virgo that I think can help the Neptune component um, to yeah, kind of get the, get the nice juice out of what Neptune mm. can actually bring creatively, uh, and intuitively, um, yeah. to us. And then you, and then put that to powerful use because then Mercury's mind is basically focused on earthly matters with the trine to Pluto around Thursday, the 26th, um, give or take a, cu- a couple days. And, uh, we'll, we can really focus on something in the real world that needs our attention, um, and has that kind of moving away energy of the mutability of Mercury, but also the starting up of the Pluto mm. and Capricorn. So, um, 
And, and then it all le- leads to the sun squaring the nodes, the last of the planets, mm. basically the weekend of the 28th. Like that's kind of the precursor to take us into the weekend of the 28th uh, and where the sun's at the bending of the nodes. And so right. what do you, yeah. what do you think? <laughs> There's been so much action as Venus has been there, Mer- Mars, Mercury, et cetera. Mm. Yeah. I guess one of the things when the sun squares the nodes, it's we're at that halfway point between eclipse seasons. Yeah. And, um, you know, and I often feel that those aspects will give some form of foreboding between like, you know, these Mercury, Neptune, Pluto, and the North Node is in Mercury's sign. So they may give you some insight or intel as to, you know, the what the next chapter would will bring and maybe what the previous chapter meant for you. So I don't, in terms of like working transits, I just don't, I personally don't put a lot of weight on those, but I do probably put them as a little bit of a caveat of be mindful of maybe fated action that's taken around that time or decisions that feel Uh, you know, when I feel uh, nodal energy, what really comes through is this sense of an invisible hand guiding you, pushing Mm. you. And with Mercury, Neptune, Mercury, Pluto in the lead up to that, it's almost like don't, the decisions that you make that don't take a huge deal of analysis might be the best decisions for you. Mm. Yeah, well, because there is, I truly believe there is that faded component with with the North Node. Like, if you're waiting for a timing thing to happen, like I see it all the time, where the the, the crucial timing happens uh, when these planets, I mean, get into the configuration with your own nodes. But even in just this mundane, you know, everyday astro weather sense, like I'm watching these storylines of many people follow along these these points, and so to have the sun come there. Um, and to really like, if we pull it back, I don't have the dates with me right now, but if you're one of those astro nerds who want to go back and look at when Venus squared the nodes, uh, Mars did, I think Mars did, um, in, uh, like the week before last or on the 12th or the 13th, I want to say, and then Mercury is right there now, or just was there as we're recording this, um, there, there's something to be said about the sun and its point of illumination that then Mm -hmm. comes because, you know, the, the sun is the solar spotlight. It's been when we become consciously aware. And so, uh, there could be rhyme to the reason of all those previous movements with other areas of our life that now create a conscious crossroads of sorts. Um, or we already knew we were there, but maybe there's just more information of how to navigate that kind of like what you were saying with, it makes you very aware of like kind of a faded direction to then go into, but also what, has happened and what you're closing out or especially in immutable signs too, um, sure. through that. And so, so yeah, pay attention to the week of the tw- weekend of the 28th, basically after all those and see where just your overall, your, your head's at and what you're like, what, what's, what's inspiring you? What is kind of an illuminating force? What is blinding you in your face that you can't turn an eye away from? Because now you're, you know, and you can't go back. Like that to me is very solar energy where it's like kind of in your face. Cause it's the spotlights on it. Mm, agreed. 
So then basically over that weekend, we have Mercury, who we've already uh, emphasized is playing a very big role in this, uh, <laughs> this Virgo season, ingresses into Libra on the 29th um, there, which is probably going to be the 30th over there in Australia. So uh, that's going to change the flavor a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> Mercury and Libra. Yeah, Mercury and Libra. I think that one of the things to consider with that um, that sign placement is Libra is the position where the sun starts to turn its light in the Northern Hemisphere and head for the darkness. So there is this sense of like a turning mind in Libra and I think Mercury in Libra is one placement I see in charts that seems to get glossed over a bit and because it's, you know, Venus, Harmony, what have you. But one thing I think when you look at Venus in, oh, sorry, Mercury in Libra is there's this almost like a duality of the mind where it might have this Venusian gloss to it, but it also has a darkness, like a dark sense of humor or a certain wickedness about it that is not always uh, distinctly obvious when you first deal with Mercury and Libra. And I think in terms of the trans, this particular transit is we're going to be dealing with Mercury and Libra for a really long time. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I should say that yes. off the bat because uh, this is where I think we've got what Mercury and Libra till around what is it? Maybe November six oh, or something like that. It's quite some time because if you if you can't tell, Mercury is going to retrograde, retrograde in Libra, but not until Libra season after the equinox. So yeah, exactly, yeah, be... right at the end of the month, and yeah, it won't move into Scorpio until around uh, November six. So you know, just to give you a bit of an idea of you know what I'm alluding to when I talk about that, almost like this sort of there's more depth, I should say, rather than darkness, although that can be there too. There's more um, depth to Mercury and Libra than what we sort of give credit for, if that makes sense. And I think of, you know, some people like, you know, Stephen King, you know, sort of the writing that he did always had this sort of element to it. Um, Nietzsche, you know, the a uh, great psychologist, you know, really sort of diving into the psyche or the darkness of the mind. Uh, or was he a philosopher? Sorry, got my words wrong there. <laughs> uh, Joaquin Phoenix. I mean, how, um, you know, when I think about Mercury and Libra, I always think of, uh, what was that movie? Gladiator, busy little bees. Like he had his eye on everything, right? So mm. Mercury and Libra, I think, is very good at the... Uh, the appearance of maintaining a neutrality, but being able to see all sides. Yeah. Yeah. And well, and that's the thing well, that I, when you initially um, put it with sort of a, a darkness behind it and, and it's the idea of, cause that's the thing with the balance and polarity and the idea of Libra mm. is like with, you know, that light and dark are the polarity, like it's there, but it could have that glossy shine to it. That could be rather charming because when yeah. we're, we're got, you know, put Mercury in Libra, we're going to have probably someone who is uh, well-spoken or knows how to say the right words. I mean, depending on where that, their 
own Libra, uh, where their own Venus is, you know, that'll yes. color it. And that's something to be said too, when Mercury moves into Libra is that, uh, you know, Venus is in Libra. So Mercury is now on Venus's, uh, you know, watch there. And so mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's trying to communicate in a way that it pushes forward, uh, Libra's or Venus's agenda. Um, and that is, you know, that charm, that grace, that, uh, cooperation, but, you know, sometimes we cooperate in a way in order to, uh, finesse things. You know, I think of Libra, I think of finessing, um, to go our way, you know, like, because Libra can be very, um, like, oh God, what's the, you know, selling someone, uh, can sell someone a ketchup popsicle. I'm, I am messing that up, but it's the idea of being able to sell anybody anything because it has a sweet tongue and knows the right things to say. Um, yeah, for sure. Yeah. And, uh, but the whole time there could be a whole underlying like working of an, of agenda and, oh yeah, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I think, um, you know, this combination of, uh, Venus and Mercury, um, is a quintessential bitchcraft, you know, um, <laughs> where, you know, you could kill them with kindness or say something that could be actually quite scathing or uh, a little dubious. But, you know, some people have that capacity to um, speak to you, but they say it in a tone and you're like, are they joking or are they serious? Yeah. You know, so I think that be, that Mercury in Libra, it's like, which end of the scale am I getting? You know, yes. <laughs> which is like it just can sometimes be really difficult to to see that. Yeah. And, and so, and so when we talk about how Mercury is going to be there for so long because of that retrograde cycle, mm. as Venus goes on and makes her move, she's all well and good in Libra. But when she moves into Scorpio, that whole mer- mercurial, uh, content and what's behind it and kind of what, what we're alluding to of like the, the charm and what's, what's lying beneath or like the words that are said and, you know, the agenda is, uh, is probably going to change a little bit. Um, but that, you know, maybe we can discuss that once we get there. So, so basically the 29th or the 30th, if you are in Australia, we're going to have Mercury move into Libra. Um, and that's around that last quarter moon in Gemini, which is going to be on the North node basically. So there's, that's another kind of interesting thing of that push of the last quarter moon, um, on the nodal, uh, on, on the North node. So I don't know. I always think of last quarters, you know, we're pushing something into some sort of, uh, final turn or where things are like cross-roaded and go separate ways, um, or just have to get through to the end. And so there's, that adds to that kind of faded component of the, the sun squaring the nodes at the same time. And that kind of exactness on, on Monday, um, or at least that's what I'm, I'm thinking. Yeah. Go with that. So, yeah. So weekend of the 28th through the 30th, like, yeah. Pay attention to what's going on with your destiny. No pressure. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But this is when, okay. So then we're, you know, we're moving into the darker days of the moon because after last quarter, we lead up to a new moon in Virgo at 14 degrees and 38 minutes, uh, which is Monday the 6th. Is that the same for you, Cass? Or is that going to be the 7th? Um, uh, let me just double check that in all my notes that I've got with us here. No, oh, I think it's the seventh because it's, it's later in the afternoon here. 
Yeah, so, correct. It will be. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, so we're dark, we're darkening down. And when we're in the darker phases of the moon, you know, things kind of quiet, we get more introspective. There's pushing things into completion. So there's a different quality to take into account there. Uh, but what goes on is we have Mars, Mars now meeting the place where Mercury was in mm. Virgo and opposing Neptune, which is a totally different flavor especially since Mercury is now changed into Libra um, of, you know, on September 2nd, give or take the days around it. Cause Mars is a slower mover. And that's a, that's a tricky little transit. I would say. Yeah, I agree with you there. Um, the sort of Neptune Pluto doubleheader. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's um, yeah. Mars in Virgo opposite. Um, Neptune, you know, it does have this. I think, you know, Mars in Virgo is very good at getting things done. You know, it's just that quintessential ask if you want something done, ask a busy person. And with Neptune there, I mean, I think it's those couple of days sort of surrounding that transit, maybe three days out. You might even sort of notice that just your energy wanes or your attention to detail wanes. And you know, this is a day around the sort of second where you're just not, you know, I think it's okay to give yourself permission to maybe like not feel particularly enthused or structured or organized. Um, it reminds me of the phrase, you know, sometimes the most productive thing you can do is nothing. And if you do feel that that's where you're at, you know, just sort of go with that. But it can feel a little bit disorientating, discombobulating and It's also important to realize that Mars opposes Neptune just once every couple of years. So um, it is, you know, it is sort of worth the pause if even if it is a little bit um, inconvenient at that moment. Mm, I like that. Yeah, because literally you start to feel like you're walking through soup. You try to do things. It just doesn't follow through, or you don't have the energy to, or it's like you like the sand just Kinda falls grasp, between. Yeah, yeah. Sand at fog, right? <laughs> yeah, you're like, what is going on? What is wrong? Everybody, whenever we get to these types of transits, people are like, is it Mercury retrograde? That's always what someone will ask. Yeah, and I'm like, uh, eh, kind of, in some way, shape, or form. Um, and because the you know there's less light behind the moon, and and we're in that darker you know part of the uh, lunar phase too. Yeah. I would think, uh, if you could take a couple days and just, and just give yourself grace, you know, like let yourself, (laughs) um, you know, like don't try to push uh, against something that is, you're just going to gain no traction on, um, Mm. or go towards things that seem very appealing or promising or a little lustrous or glamorous, or, you know, all that glitters is not gold during this time, basically. Mm. Um, especially with Mercury and Libra now having its eyes on shiny things. Um, so there is, it should just take your time with that basically, uh, mm. because around the same time, there's a grand air trine with, uh, Mercury and cause now Mercury is where Venus was at the start of the season, uh, with Mercury, Saturn and the North node between September 3rd and 4th, give or take some days in the midweek of, um, well, no, that's the, that's the end of the week basically of, where am I? I'm like, what, what calendar am I on? <laughs> yes. The end of the week there, uh, September 3rd and 4th. And so, and in the dark days of the moon cycle too. So to me, there's some very contemplative 
mm-hmm. about, you know, like a lot of contemplative energy around our future and that air quality coming back in. Yeah, that sort of Mercury Saturn. It's almost like there's some practical things to grapple with about the future or about the direction or about, you know, the hunger. And so, you know, what the North Node is sort of like, what are you hungry for? What is this, you know, it's to me, the North Node is like Pac-Man, you know, it just eats the just this like little mouth that just wants to eat all the things. And you know, Mercury Saturn is it, sort of, well, um, are you trying to get things done for the sake of things, getting things done? Or, you know, uh, what is the, all this organization about? Or what is all this strategic planning about? Like it has to have a purpose or an endpoint or something along those lines. And there's almost this sense that there's some kind of new information that could be revealed that needs mm. to be dealt with in a ta- tangible or practical way. So it's almost like this, this grand triumph forming it's like this uh, paradigm shift around information or something along those lines or what yeah. the future direction is or yeah. yeah I think that's a little sort of sneaky transit to watch this month it, it I think so too especially mm. since it's so close to the new moon and you know how like you know those seeds get thrown at us where like all of a sudden we get this like piece of information you're like oh I wasn't even uh or I hadn't had that um development come in or that concrete pe- or that or the right idea or you know etc and so there's something that comes in and it's like oh well I've got this full-on new consideration um and I really got to think about this I got to take my time with it because that's the thing with Saturn mm-hmm. and we're more willing to you know and we have some time to and do it's that. It's also too. just kind of off the back of the sun squaring the nodes. And now Mercury and Saturn are kind of implicated with that. So there's something to that, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So definitely pay attention the the weekend of the third, fourth, the fifth. Well, because the fifth's interesting too, because right before we have that new moon um on Monday or Venus Tuesday, Pluto. you know, we got Venus Pluto. So she's uh she's been skipping along in Libra doing her thing. And then all of a sudden she comes up against Pluto there, which is always an interesting thing for, uh, relationships, um, and just in, in society and social connections, you know, like Mm. we had the Plutonian. Yeah. Overall, I think this Venus in Libra transit really is, I guess, a really pure injection of sweetness or support that we never got last year because she was hard up against Saturn in Capricorn, Mars retrograde in her last cycle last year. So we didn't get her at her best. And yeah, this is um, a Venus-Pluto square, which is can be a little bit, oh, do we have to do this? But Venus is on speaker. So I don't really feel that it's going to be the worst thing. And, you know, we had the Venus trine Saturn, so new agreements, new long-term plans. And this square sort of might be this, little bit of friction or compromise might need to be made with this aspect and, you know, some type of, um, you know, going deeper with something because, you know, Venus in Libra doesn't ultimately like to do that. You know, there is this idea with Venus that she likes the idea of love, but maybe not the nitty gritty of love. And Pluto's like, oh, hey, baby, like, sorry about that, but we're going down. Yeah. And, you know, um, <laughs> And that's uncomfortable for Venus, right? But with Speaker, maybe she's a little bit more empowered or supported or protected for her to be maybe more vulnerable or for her to be maybe more exposed in some sort of way. So 
But on the practical level, you know, this can also bring through a little bit of uncomfortability, if that's even a word, but a little bit of this sort of tension or friction, she can get that more pure or that more um, sort of authentic or raw or real connection rather than just, um, you know, the Instagram highlights kind of thing. So I think this can be, you know, uh, empowering to her if she's willing to do that. Yeah. And that's the tension of the square because squares can be activating too. And when I think, whenever I see Pluto uh, come into question and especially Capricorn, there's this idea of integrity. And so sometimes we have to go deeper in order to get to the integrity of a situation, yeah. of, a, of a relationship, of a, you know, like what what's the meat there? Because she's about to go into Scorpio after the new moon. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and, you know, she's getting, she's getting introduced to what is on the horizon, basically, <laughs> with that square to Pluto um, and the superficialities uh, and, and the unwillingness to go to uh, a crucial place in order to really make some changes. You know, she had some plans. She had plans with the Grand Trine with Saturn in, in the North Node, and now she's up against Pluto. And it's like, well, you got your plans. What are you willing to change in the real world? Are you uh, able to uh, go through the reality component mm. and not just yeah. the speculative um, <laughs> yeah. idea of it? Yeah. So, so there yeah, is this that. Could even, yeah, it could even test or put a little bit of pressure on some friendships as well. Are they yeah. all what I you know, thought they were? Um, are my drinking buddies actually my true soulmate friends or are they just situational friends or you know, events in the world, are they what I thought they were or, you know, all of these yeah. type of questions, you know, there is a, um, wherever there's sort of friction or tension um, and these are cardinal signs. So they are, you know, they're wanting to move forward. They're wanting to progress. And the question here might be, are we progressing in the same direction or in the same page? Yeah. And that squares can definitely bring that to, to focus. Um, and there's something to be said about like the whole, like, music scenes, bars, you know, those types of things and just social venues in general that might be up uh, against um, some sort of, uh, you know, societal shift or, you know, Mm. the businesses can take some hits there. You know, there is a lot to be said about, especially as we have more planets in and Mercury in an air sign and like airborne contagion and things along those lines you know, there might be some realities that come Mm. there. And that is introducing us basically to the new moon in Virgo um, there on Monday, the 6th or Tuesday, the 7th, depending on where you are in the world. And it's kind of, it's like trying city up in there. You know, we got that, uh, um, basically the hear ruler. a bit of guns and roses there. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to try and see. Um, are a little bit kind of paradise. Like I suppose. Yes. Aren't they? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Well, we know things are moving there. Cause, uh, I mean, Mercury and Libra there having just gotten off of the grand air trine we were just speaking about. We got the sun trine Uranus that day. We got Mars trine Pluto. We got Venus trine Jupiter all on the same day. So the signature, it is a big new moon um, to, uh, and I don't even know uh, <laughs> Cass and I are on a time schedule crunch here now. So we're going oh, to have to right. like, I'll push, I'll push our time out a little bit. A little bit. So okay, we, good. Yeah. Good. Um, yeah. We love a chat. <laughs> we do. We do love a chat. Um, I mean, where do you even go with that? We got sun, Uranus, Mars, Pluto, Venus, Jupiter, which is interesting coming off of the Venus Pluto, right? Yeah. 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 
Yeah, where to start? Okay, well, it's a new moon in Virgo. So let's start with the ruler, Mercury. You know, Mercury's in Libra now. So there is this sense of if I can just make some improvements to, you know, communication or can I just make some improvements to the harmony around relationships or, you know, that type of, I feel like Virgo is a little bit, between a rock and a hard place in some respects because Mars is still co-present. So it's like Virgo is sort of fighting for something or it's pushing to do something. And Venus is is in the mix, you know, oh, sorry, uh, Mercury with Libra. So we've got the, I'm getting all my words confused now. <laughs> there's a lot to, there's a lot of components here. Yeah, so we've got like this new moon with Mars. Okay, so that's a thing on its own. And then the ruler is Mercury in Libra with Venus also co-present. Okay, so there is this sort of Virgo Mercury piece, you know, improvement with relationships or trying to work harder for harmony. And then you've got all these sort of proverbial spanners in the works because this lunation trines Uranus. So I think that is um, a a quintessential thing here. Well, Mercury, uh, sorry, um, Virgo is doing this lunation is I'm not going to do what you thought I was going to do. I'm not going to be this quintessential helper or do the things that you expect of me. Uh, There is this sort of, uh, it's almost like a curveball here that is really quite obvious. And Venus, Jupiter piece, you know, this is, I'm overstretching in relationships. I'm overstretching with something here. I'm, you know, there's this, I'm giving, but am I getting, you know, there are two, uh, these are two benefic planets and that's a good thing in of itself, but there's this feeling of, have I overstretched? Have I done too much? Or am I giving more than I'm getting, you know, this square aspect, there's a tension here, but with the trying to Uranus from the lunation, there is this, I'm going to do it differently or, out of the box or out of the blue. And that's going to feel a little bit more comfortable. I'm thinking. Mm. Yeah. And it was, and it's interesting to think because the Leo lunation that we're currently under and speaking under was square Uranus. Mm. So there's something to be said about the prior, uh, quality of the, you know, the new moon cycle we just went through, or you're you're listening Mm -hmm. to this under. And so what was pressurized at that? What, um, cause I I'm watching people left and right, like part ways, like say goodbye to very old, uh, areas of their life or relationships or, you know, those types of things and starting, you know, so there, there is this like volcanic sort of, uh, and, mm. and Cass and I are talking on the right now as Uranus basically stations retrograde, like literally mm. as we speak. Yeah. So there's something to be said about the prior lunar cycle and the pressure that Uranus brought there. And then the yeah. flow that then is released um, in a sense that is very, it's earthly. It's like, this Mm. is, this is like finding liberation and, and freedom and, and do an innovation and doing things different in a very tangible way that is, Mm. uh, that we can see, touch, taste, feel, you know, and, and having Mars there, like you said, you know, Mars is just like slinking around this lunation, um, with it's trying to Pluto, uh, but also in, uh, a combustible situation where, you know, we move towards yeah. the Plutonian aspect, um, that is creating 
kind of like uh, like a, a dirty uh, Grand Earth trine. It's not exact by any means, but there is like, mm-hmm. you know, the the uh, sun, moon, um, Mars within the Pluto and Capricorn and the Uranus and Taurus. Yeah. And so, you know, we can make great changes. Our That Mars is moving towards things. It's ready for change. It's, it's uprooting. It's like, you know, like mutable Virgoing out to then Capricorn cardinaling start. Um, but at the same time, it is, so th- there's something to me that seems like everything moves so fast that when we end up catching up with it, we're like, what just happened? Mm. Um, you know, like after that's all said and done, which could be, you know, the, the next lunar cycle, it could be six months from now, it could be two weeks from then, you know, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, and, and, but they're lasting or they're physically, they're physical changes. It's, it's not conceptual. It is like real world. Like, like all of a sudden you move and then you're like, oh, I'm here now. Did I think, did I, did I, you know what I mean? (laughs) Like, um, yeah. So that's, yeah, for sure. It is definitely, um, almost like reaching a pressure point and the trine just makes the the way out really easy. Yes. Yes. Mm. And the pressure point to me was this previous lunar cycle and mm. the trine's like, Oh, well, I've got, you know, this is the, this is what, what's it. Um, and, and I'm going with it, yeah. <laughs> especially since, you know, Mercury had the grand trine with the North node and Saturn right before, you know, like I'm making a decision. I feel it flowing. Here I go. I'm going, I'm sliding down the slide. I'm like, I'm in motion and I can't stop. Uh, and, uh, yeah. And of course it's going to look different. And there's so many aspects of that going on with different signs that, you know, many houses are going to be activated in your chart that are triggering many areas of life, um, at the same time, but it is primarily of earth and physical based and the air conceptual, I, you know, idea planning, you know, those, those conversational, et cetera. Um, mm, yeah, so much to this lunation. And I think sometimes one area that Virgo can get it maybe not quite right is if things are not running smoothly, Virgo asks itself, well, what can I do better? What do I have to improve? Mm. You know, I just have to work harder. Whereas you know, and the ruler is Mercury in Libra, co-present with Venus, squaring Jupiter. So it's almost this, you know, as I mentioned, that overstretching. And then it's like, well, yeah, I'm not just not going to do that anymore. And the Uranus kind of, it's those kind of uh, choices that you make that might appear shocking to everybody else, but are actually quite authentic and right for you. Mm. And this lunation just kind of might bring a tipping point, but a release at the same time, you know, when you we sort of juxtapose it on the back of the lunation that we we're still under that was um, squaring Uranus. So this is the, the, the pressure valve being released and, yeah. you know, like what, <laughs> I just hear it's sort of like the balloon where it, like, like that you let the balloon, popping. yeah. <laughs> oh, I like that too. The effervescent, like, yeah, and that's, <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, and you know, like, and that's the thing too, is that at this point, Uranus is retrograde. So 
part mm-hmm. of that liberation and that like that the popping that we're talking about could be a completely internalized thing that then yeah. changes your uh, how you go, how you then move forward to manifest in, in other areas, because this is the interesting thing about this time period is that there are so many, uh, planets or like outer planets that are retrograde because at the end of September, Pluto's going to go direct October. We got Saturn and Jupiter going direct. So it's an interesting, a lot of retrograde internalized types of things going on mm. before, uh, some big energy that is about to come in Libra season. So there's something to be said about that too, but wow, what a new moon. Um, and, uh, yeah, trying, trying city. Um, and really the next day and in the new moon, we have Mercury, uh, also opposing Chiron too. So there's, to me, that puts like some sort of edge and the Aries component because there's so much air, there's so much you know, earth going on, but here's this mm-hmm. fire element that, uh, it can rub, you know, I always think about Chiron as rubbing us the wrong way. Um, but, but that irritation leads to some sort of, uh, you know, wisdom or learning or, you know, mm-hmm. like, so mm-hmm. I don't know if you have any take on that. It's okay if you don't, but that's kind of what I'm yeah, thinking. I have to be honest. I don't, uh, Chiron is not on my radar. Yeah, that's fine. That's yeah. fine. I have a very chironic chart, so it's definitely, it's definitely on my radar. Um, but it, it adds a little edge to it basically, yeah. um, yeah. to, it's to another that. thing to factor in. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Uh, now that being said, we move on to, uh, September 10th, um, which is going to be a Friday there. And, uh, Venus moves into Scorpio. She's right. She's in Mars's territory. And so basically, (laughs) yes, she's in Mars's territory now. And what a different flavor. Very different. Yeah. And that's really going to be perhaps the, the pre shadowing or, um, of what we will see when Mars gets there at the end of October. So, you know, obviously that's a little ways down the track, but, you know, Venus in Scorpio, like she's not playing nice anymore. No, she's not. (laughs) (laughs) She is not playing nice. Um, And, you know, on the same day is when uh, Mercury will move into its pre-retrograde shadow. So I think Mm. that Libra party is, kind of almost over in a sense you know obviously the Libra Mercury and Libra story continues but there's a difference in its energy now and that will be compounded with Venus's exit so uh yeah you know Venus in Scorpio is definitely um you know it's it's powerful and it's introspective and it's an energy where you are going deeper in the realm of relationships and what you value, what is comfortable and important to you. And, you know, while Venus in Libra can do the, you know, harmonizing and flow and ease and what have you, if there are sticking points or if there are places of uncomfortability, again, I've said that random word again. swear I used that word not too long ago and said the same thing. I'm like, is this a word? I guess. Is this, yeah, is this, yeah it's it is now. Used. Well, yeah, you know, we'll, we'll blame my Australianness for it if you want. <laughs> but um, it's, uh, yeah, and I mean, you know, if things have kind of been 
getting um, under your grill a bit and you've been playing nice about that, Venus and Scorpio is at least going to sort of empower you to go, yeah, no, nah, not dealing with this anymore. So there is this um, feeling to her when she goes through this territory is that she may not be comfortable on paper, but she is empowered. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, she's willing to rock the boat, Correct. Um, you know, and that's the thing, because if you, you get to a point where, you know, like uh, maybe a certain truth comes up within you and in re- the relationships, or there's just a general uh, irritation of mm. things being out of, out of balance and, and not playing nice. And it's like, I'm willing to I'm really, I'm willing to go down with the ship. <laughs> I'm willing to destruct if I have to, because I uh, have to address this or, yeah. um, and so like, and I think you just said like the idea of getting under the skin, like it just, and, and Scorpio only handles that for so long. Like Scorpio, Scorpio is that quick, that quick tongue, right? Because here Mercury is still in Libra, uh, but it's looking mm. to Venus and Scorpio and, and Mercury has got a quick tongue and an air sign just in general. And, and Libra so astute in that fashion. So to have the intensity of Venus and Scorpio behind it, like, you know, she's, she's not going to take any guff, um, basically. Yeah, correct. <laughs> you know, and as Venus goes into Scorpio, she's, you know, there with the moon. So the moon will be in Scorpio at the same time. Yeah. So there, that's, um, it's a little moody. It is moody. She's <laughs> moody. She's moody. Um, yeah. And, and she's going to be moody for quite some time, especially as she then goes on to square Saturn, oppose Uranus. Like she's going to, like you said, paying attention to what Venus does uh, as she starts to get into Scorpio is going to give us a lot of flavor for all the Scorpio activations that are going to come later in uh, the year, because mm. this is the next hot spot of the Saturn Uranus square. So just put that in your pocket for later and pay attention to what's going on because it's the precursor of mm. some really big moves that are to yeah. come after the fact. Correct. So, um, and then maybe things like get a little more optimistic with the first quarter and Sag on the, on the 13th there. So we kick off that new moon with Trine city, um, with the Sagittarius first quarter, which always seems, you know, that Jupiter territory, it always seems kind of promising, uh, for forward movement of some sort or stretching one's wings, um, or just being optimistic, uh, mm. about life. Um, to some extent. Uh, yeah. So I don't know, Sagittarius, it kind of feels good or the pressure just to move forward just in general. And like, you know, um, yeah, I don't know. I, to be honest, I haven't really felt so great about the first quarter moons. Um, when, you know, this particular first quarter moon, um, with, the node there, the south node there. Yeah. So, but I mean, fortunately, that will pass pretty fast, and then the rest of Sagittarius will just do its thing. But yeah, I guess in general, I have noticed the moon's um, monthly visit to Sagittarius is not as exuberant as we as might it otherwise could be. like. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, uh, it gets that draining quality of it's the. It's really the picking nodal. up. Yeah, picking yeah. up the node, picking up. Um, obviously Jupiter co-present with Saturn. So, you know, I've really noticed that's when um, these kind of opinions 
<laughs> they really peak out there in the uh oh and yeah everybody's got their their own opinion and to, to share gets a little yeah. noisy gets a little yeah. noisy in the world uh <laughs> at that time um and it, it makes me it makes me also think about you know because the tension that comes with the first quarter and like you saying the overextension in the new moon of venus and jupiter in a trine you know we could see where we're overextended or there's too much or we're like you know like it's becoming more of a, you know, like a, a weight to, to carry because when I think of tarot, that's the 10 of wands deck in there. (laughs) And that's like the guy with all the wands and he's like carrying them forward. And it's, it's kind of a burdensome. And so it could be with the draining quality of the South node, it'd be like, how much am I carrying? And can I carry it all basically, um, in order to move forward. Uh, and at the same time, you know, energy might be a little dissipated again too, because a few days, de- the next day we have, um, the sun opposing Neptune. So now the sun's in the position that all the other planets have gone through and Mars and Gris is into Libra on the same day. And so just energy mm. is just shifting in general yeah. there. Yeah. And we're kind of in that no man's zone too, in many ways. So no, which exactly. one do you want to tackle there? <laughs> oh yeah, well, tackling being the opposite, <laughs> the operative word, I should say. Yeah, the um, sun opposite Neptune. You know, again, that's a little bit. I, I quite like that. You know, I think it's. I, I don't mind a little bit of a sneaky Neptune transit. <laughs> you know, these daily transits. You know, with the more the inner planets. I mean, you know, Jupiter Neptune next year. Well, I might change my mind, but. Um, these daily influences, I think, are lovely just to kind of get off the grid, mm. proverbially speaking, and just, you know, and I think the opposition, it's really like, okay, I'm in this position and what might life look like if I was in that position? And Neptune and Pisces, obviously dreaming, imagining, creating, Netflix and wine, whatever the thing is, <laughs> there is that thing. Okay, I'm just going to get off the this Virgo do, this Virgo kind of grid of productivity, and I'm just going to check out of that. And just again, the the idea of productivity sometimes is about doing nothing or allowing yourself to rest or um, imagine and create. Mm-hmm. You know, I you know even in my own business, I'll regularly take days off. So, you know, I call them my CEO days, where I don't always see the big picture when I'm in the trenches. And so sometimes you have to get you know off the grid and look sort of from that perspective of being opposition, take myself outside of a certain situation so I can look back on it mm-hmm. rather than trying to look at the overall picture when I'm in it and. You know, when I see these little sun Neptunes, you know, uh, obviously that's only a once a year thing, the opposition, but, you know, these little Neptune uh, things can be real, like to use them constructively, I think it's a really good way to do that. Yeah, absolutely. Little mental health day, maybe. But yeah, like I yeah. think so. Yeah, there's there's nothing wrong with taking a step back in order to get into more of the imaginal realm um, mm. because we create so much from, you know, kind of our mind's eye and what we see intuitively. And we don't even realize it because we think that it's all like our head, you know, but it's part of it. And so to have like that conscious creation day where you take back and you're like, oh, you know, like what, uh, let me take a second here. What, what's this picture in my head? Um, what am I putting all this Virgo energy behind? And, uh, it, it, you know, like, I don't know, there's a clarity component, which sounds so 
um, non-conducive to Neptune. But to me, there's a clarity component that comes with this transit because to me, having the sun be the last one to come to it is like, you know, when Mercury opposed it back on the 24th, when Mars opposed it back on September the 2nd, when the sun comes along, if there's the other, if there were things obscured at that time, or you were entertaining these Neptunian ideals or something, you know, was there's a mystery around something. The sun to me is like, oh, I see it now. I'm more aware of the Neptune component. Um, so having the patience with what that Neptune meant the whole time and being also being, because the thing too, with Neptune is it's about letting go, uh, and having compassion and, and releasing something, uh, to some extent too. And the sun could come around and be like, ah, you know, if I'm really honest with myself, um, and how I'm progressing, what do I have to let go of in this area of my life in order for, for that to happen. So there's kind of a releasing and a dissipation quality that comes through awareness, I think at mm-hmm. that time too. Um, and it could be a combination of all these things we're talking about where it's all happening at the same time. Cause you took time to yourself to ha- be able to go in there and assess this without having the busyness of your life around you at the same time. Mm-hmm. And then you become aware of it. You can release it. You can maybe even grieve it if you've been through some things and there's grief that has to come up and to be understood and consciously integrated. I think that that's yeah. part of this sun, uh, Neptune. Um, and even component. just from the practical Virgo component, um, okay, we're just about to approach the equinox. Mm. You know, how has life been since the solstice and what do I want to achieve for the rest of 2021? So it can be a great day of that sort of reflection. Yeah, absolutely. Um, especially since the whole time Mars is sitting at 29 degrees Virgo, getting ready to move into Libra. You know, he's feeling the pressure of Bingo. like yeah, being at the end of the, you know, like there's, yeah. uh, there's a Martian pressure that's there that then just like dissipates into the zero degrees of Libra on that cardinal mm. point. Um, yeah. So uh, we almost might need, I love, we're going back to the mental health day. Take a, me- <laughs> take a yeah. mental health day, check in, see where you're at. Because um, Mars moving into Libra, that's a, mm. that's a whole, anytime, you know, Mars is a slower, slow enough planet being on the, uh, you know, the other side of earth, basically yeah. <laughs> that, uh, it, when it switches signs, it's a big deal. And this is the thing, Mel, like in October, August, we've had a fair amount of planetary dignity, mm. um, sun in Leo for a big part of it, Mercury in Virgo, uh, you know, Saturn and Aquarius, all these like sort of little dignities. We've had uh, a fairly good time of it where now that's really shifting by the time we get to mid-September. Venus has just gone into detriment and as has Mars. So, um, mm, you know, (laughs) (laughs) I I mean, when you look at this is the thing, right? When planets have been in their rulership, which we've had in the last couple of weeks, you know, this August, it can sometimes empower planets just to do what they already do, you know, and it it can some that cannot always be great, right? But I think when planets are in positions of difficulty, there's a certain sweet spot in the struggle. Mm. Um, there's a certain complacency that just doesn't happen, right? And I see this all the time with people who you kind of know their charts, but 
they don't, they need some assistance in interpreting them. And they might go, well, the rule of my ascendance in detriment, you know, does that mean my life is, you know, down the toilet kind of thing? And I'm like, I kind of rub my hands together and I go, no, goody, this is, you've got something to work with. There's some traction, there's some friction, there's some, I'm not comfortable and I'm going to do the work I need to, to do to kind of get comfortable. And with Mars in Libra, you know, I think with the state of the planet, you know, uh, ecologically, um, morally, politically, like you just, you know, spin the wheel. There's something that needs to needs uh, fighting for right now. And, you know, I think even though on paper Mars and Libra is not a, a great placement, but I think in the world right now, this could really be about fighting for justice or fighting for equality or fighting for what's right. There is something I think right now that this could be quite good. Yeah. Yeah. Because we can't always just, um, coast along in these, uh, dignity States because like you said, the complacency that comes with it and, uh, growth and change, um, never happened through complacency. And so that's the beauty of planets in their detriment and planets in their fall is that, yeah, they might have to, they're going to trip. They're going to go through some tough times. They're going to have to work for it. They're gonna have to come at it from different angles, but through all that, that's where we see the innovation. That's where we see things change. That's where friction then turns into, um, you know, like something productive, like you need friction to produce, you know, we think about the idea of the square again. And so to have Mars move into Libra and to fight for these things, like we're talking about and to disturb what the balance or the harmony might be in order for that to happen. Um, and then having it backed by Venus that is in her own detriment, you know, we basically have both of them in each other's signs that are in detriment. So, you know, the Venus component and the Mars component at this point on is both in these detriment um, positions that go along with what you were just saying about having to come at it from different angles and having to run up against things that aren't comfortable and uh, need to be addressed because of that very nature that they, they aren't comfortable, you know, like, and we have to do something about it. Like there's honesty and truth that comes out there. Cause that's another thing with uh, Libra and Scorpio both as I think there's a lot of like underlying like truth that comes from both of those signs, but for different reasons, you know, and, and the truth is, can be painful. The truth can hurt. The truth cannot look good. The truth, you know, like that's yeah. So we're, we're in for something. We're in for some things there too. <laughs> yeah. Say. Well, I mean, you know, I think about a couple of analogies when I think about Mars and Libra and, um, you know, Mr. Miyagi, best way to win and fight is not to be in one. And I also think of the art of war, mm. you know, and it is an art, you know, and uh, to avoid confrontation requires diplomacy and We've got Mercury uh, in Libra that's about to go retrograde. So there's going to be negotiations around battles or great diplomatic feats being needed um, or being undertaken. And so there is going to be a lot of talk perhaps about war or about battle, you know, metaphorically or, you know, or real, you know, um, just never say never. It's in this particular you time ne- in history, you never know. this time in history. So, 
you know, it's, you know, Mars and Libra, I think there is, there is a certain beauty to to the battle. There's a beauty to the struggle or to the fight. And um, I, I, you know, I get a bit excited when planets don't function. To be honest, <laughs> I, I do. Like I feel that there is it, it does provide ripe territory. Um, mm. And you know, there is a little bit of this, I guess, a, a reception. Obviously, they're not forming an aspect, but you know, there is harmony in battle or a negotiation that can take place or um, resources if you can uh, stretch yourself um, or see things from a new angle. So there is um, a a solution with this Mars if you're uh, prepared to, you know, put a little bit of sugar on top. Yeah. Well, it makes me think of, it makes me think of two things. Uh, one with the battle aspect is that you go ahead and look at many, um, you know, top commanders in armed forces and you're going to see Mars and Libra time and time again. Like, Mm -hmm. and that's the thing you think, you know, they're in the military, but the idea of the military and and being, you know, a general is like you said, we're looking for peace. We're not trying to have the battle and you need Mm -hmm. that, that negotiating quality. It also makes me think about relationships and how the relationships that are the best and the ones that grow have to go through conflict because through conflict, you come to resolution that actually brings you closer in the end, even when it's uncomfortable. Um, Mm -hmm. And so that's another thing that came to mind, especially thinking with Venus and Scorpio there too, is like, there's going to be a lot of tension in the relating department. Um, but conflict can be constructive, uh, if you don't shy away from it, but also use tact while you're in it, because it can be easy to, um, you know, especially with Mercury going to station soon and backed by Venus and Scorpio, where you can just say the right thing that upsets the apple cart. And then you might want to take that back and you can't. So you have to be conscious um, and that takes extra work that takes extra like attention in order to, uh, craft your conflict in a way that ends up being productive and not destructive. Mm, yeah, exactly. So yeah, keep an eye out for all Mars and Libra. It's going to be there for quite some time. When does it, you said earlier, it was like August or sorry, October, um, Till the end of October. October, yeah, mm. like around Halloween here. Um, so yeah, get get settled. Um, <laughs> and so then we're coming up to we have the sun now trining Pluto and Venus squaring Saturn on the 16th, just a few days later. Um, so the sun's completing that Neptune Pluto thing. Uh, but the yeah. Venus square Saturn, that's that's getting us a taste of the this, uh, you know, Saturn Uranus, that's when Saturn Uranus come back into to focus. Mm, yeah. So yeah, this is definitely different territory to the trine that we had at the end of August. So yeah, now Venus is coming up to square. So, you know, Venus is leading the charge to what we're going to be experiencing as we get to the end of, you know, the sort of last, well, the latter portions of 2021. So, you know, she is priming the territory. So, you know, Venus square Saturn is, you know, really so much about, we, one of the ways I describe it is deciding what you're no longer available for. Mm. You know, what are your limits in relationships or, what what's your you know and it doesn't have to be romantic relationship it can be a friendship something or someone you have an affectionate bond with it could be an agreement that you've you know made with your boss um you know these sort of 
you know, social deals that we make with people. Yes. Um, uh, the, uh, what did they call it in Seinfeld? Like the airport pickup, the non-binding, so it's a binding social agreement, agreement. to pick up <laughs> someone from the airport. And then you might realize, oh, I've made this agreement when everything was sweet and lovely in Libra and then realize, yeah, I don't know if that is really what I want anymore. And you know, it's really what is the limit? How far am I willing to go with something? Or, or what can I perhaps renegotiate here because it's no longer comfortable for me? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And then, you know, that's the thing with uh, Venus and Saturn meet. It's like, there's there's a cooling, there's a cooling quality of affection. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know, there's just, there is, there's just distance that gets created for whatever reason. Um, Venus in her detriment there, you know, like the, there's an, there's instability that comes up in Saturn, even though she's in that kind of overcoming position, Saturn is still very, very strong. Um, mm. and it's, it, you know, and so she might crumble a bit and not be able to show up, um, because of a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of deeper emotional stuff that comes up too, because like you said, it's like in, in while in Libra, it was all fine. We're having talks, we're having negotiations, we're keeping it superficial. And then ever since that square to Pluto at the end of the Libra transit, she's like sunk further and further down into Scorpio until she runs mm. into Saturn. And then she's like, Oh my God, like there's, there's so much underneath this. I haven't, you know, like, uh, and it can stop you in your tracks because that's mm. what Saturn can do. Um, and it might not be a forever stop. It could be a big hurdle to get through. It could be a lot of, uh, that's when the negotiations come into play yeah. with, with Mars. Cause Mars will eventually try and Saturn here, not in this particular season. Um, but, or it gets close, but not close enough. I don't think so. There is, that's coming to there, but just, yeah. yeah. So if you're if relationships and overall, like connecting with people or even feeling sociable, like you might not just, you might just not want to deal with anybody. Like it could just mm. be that. Uh, too. Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, uh, Venus in Scorpio, you know, it's almost like she's kind of committed to the agreement that was made with, you know, the other side of it is that she's committed to the agreement that was made in Libra. And then, you know, Saturn having, you know, the upper hand in terms of domicile and, maybe it's like Saturn, you know, saying no to the agreement now. Because, you know, if you think about Venus in Scorpio, she is that sort of all or nothing. This is what we've, this is what was promised and this is what I'm going to hold you to, you know. So there could be that tension as agreements are shifting or what you thought was the thing and now it's no longer the thing. So it is sort of, it is a bit messy, this particular it is uh, messy. square. Mm. Yeah, you know, Venus has got the upper hand technically, but on paper, Saturn's got it. So it's this yeah. sort of weird dynamic there. So it is, it's not going to be a day of cuddling. No, it's not, especially as the sun trines Pluto that same day too. And so there, uh, there's that yeah. power dynamics going on um, mm. that can be very real. There could be like shifts that that are going on uh, physically and with resources and, and things that are moving around. Um, yet there's this like relational component that is, you know, up against something at the same time where things are in motion, big changes are probably in motion, um, in the real world, but the emotional self and, and the headspace and, and even the plan, like the plan <laughs> might be, you know, be up against something, but 
but life is moving at the same time. And that's where, and that's where it can be tricky with Scorpio and Aquarius squares is if this is all happening and not being addressed, that's where, because Scorpio can go deep, but then Aquarius can maybe stuff it down or ignore it Mm. or detach from it. Yeah. Um, which can create problems down the road too. Um, yeah, for sure. Because if there's so mm-hmm. much going on, you know, like in Virgo and and Capricorn that you have to tend to. Uh, so once again, trying to find that balance of all those things happening at the same time. Yeah. So, well, that brings us to our full moon in Pisces at the pretty much the almost the end of the transit there at 28 degrees, 14 minutes, um, Monday the 20th which I think, uh, it might be the 21st, maybe the early, the 21st, um, in Australia. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we got more trines going on. We got that ruler Jupiter, uh, over there in Aquarius with Mercury trying Jupiter at this point, uh, you know, taking space where Venus once was at the new moon, we've got Mars trining the North node. Um, and just basically this air emphasis kind of blending with the water earth quality mm. too. Um, and I'm pretty sure in there, in sheet near that, that position too, 28 oh, yeah, degrees. That star. <laughs> yeah. Mm, yeah. Yeah. It's either 28 or 29. I can't remember from the top of my head. Yeah. Um, so this is happening on the 21st of September. So one thing that's really you know, one of the things that kind of stands out to me is obviously it doesn't happen till October, but we're almost at the station degree of Jupiter at this point. So it's going to get to twenty second, the twenty second degree, just a couple of couple of days after the full moon. So, you know, Jupiter feels like it's been uh, retrograde in Aquarius forever at this point. So, um, yeah, it's. And the moon is still pretty close to Neptune. So I do like a full moon in Pisces. It is it is a soulful, it's a uh, inspired type of lunation, um, restful, uh, daydreamy, you know, all of those kind of classic type of things. But there could be a little bit of that sort of, yeah, there is that caveat with that fixed star there. And I don't know. I have this joke with some of my astro friends, you know, she at is kind of shit. So yeah. <laughs> it, it, it's, you know, it, it does have this undertone that, I don't know, there's a bit of a caution to be had yeah. with this particular lunation. Um, you know, we have Mercury and you know, trining the ruler of it. So there's almost this sense that maybe new information is coming through and it's not going to feel comfortable or it's going to take the edge off the possibility that a Pisces full moon might normally bring. So, you know, that's the caveat there, I think. Um, yeah. You know, that the potential there that, you know, new information, is, is it good or is it not good? Or is it, well, you know, and there's the, it's so basically looming in the distance the next day is, or two days later is the square from Mercury to Pluto. So we'll just kind of throw mm. that in there because that's really the last thing of that. And that's going to be part of that full moon. So I think what you're saying is like, yeah, there's the Jupiter component, but it, it comes with the Pluto yeah. behind yeah. it. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. <laughs> mm. Yeah. Mm. So <laughs> escape at your own risk, maybe. 
Yeah. No, it's true um, because I mean, the, basically the moon comes off of uh, Neptune, like you said, but the next aspect it makes is the opposition to Mars in Libra mm, um, mm. that happens to be trying because Mars is trining the North Node at, at this time too. So there is this kind of like forward moving action quality that has a destined component. I feel like Pisces has a destined component. There is like this you know, like where synchronicity just comes together in just the right way, which can, uh, we hope to be beautiful and maybe miraculous, but it can be very also, um, you know, uh, detrimental, like to some extent where, you know, like you said, we've said with that fixed star that is, was associated with things like drownings and suicide and not to say that those things are going to happen. Uh, you know, they're always happening somewhere in the world. That's the reality of life. But, um, you know, those can be that that's something that could be said for figuratively speaking, mm. like if we're drowning in something or, uh, we're, you know, like there's a part of ourselves that's dying based on these, like, you know, with the Mercury Pluto component and the trying to Jupiter, which is always moving us forward. But I see, you know, that that's not always an easy quality, especially under Saturn's watch. Yeah. Uh, in Aquarius. So, um, it's it, with all mutable, it's almost like a double-edged sword, right? It's like, <laughs> yeah, it's almost like, you know, this, I've got to have a conversation. There's this uncomfortable feeling. I have to have a conversation and I just don't know how it's going to go. Yeah. And, but in order, but it needs to happen in order to move on, mm, you know, exactly. like, cause that's the nature of the mutability is like, we, it ha- this, it has to move. And so things are going to have to move at that point. Um, and you have to kind of succumb to it. You have to surrender to it. That's the nature of Pisces too, is it's like, we're, we're here and Neptune's like, well, you know, like you just have to kind of let go into it. Like trust that there, you know, have faith that there's like a, there's spiritual synchronicities that will suss themselves out after this point. But while you're in it, you have to kind of just let go and, and float and address what might need to be addressed to yeah. some extent. Correct. So, um, yeah, that's so pretty much it. I guess that yeah. is it. Mm. like, we need it anymore. I swear all the seasons <laughs> this year are filled with so many things. Um, so I'm going to put your, uh, Gemini ascendant to work here. And so if you had one word or maybe a slight combination of words, I'll give you some, some, uh, space with Gemini for Virgo season. What would you say? Mm. Yeah, strategically plan for the future. That's mm. probably my thing. And look at things as they present, not how you want them to be. Mm. Yes. Put that dose of reality mm. in there. Um, yeah. Yeah. No, mm. I like that. I like that. There's a lot of strategy to this. That- it's that girl guides thing, be prepared or whatever it is, that thing is. I don't know. I'll have to Google it and find yeah, out. Okay, but whatever, yeah. that, whatever that saying was, you know, be prepared. I think maybe, maybe that was just it. But yeah, there is this sense of, okay, you know, the first month, first part of the month is definitely, yeah, strategy, practical planning, contingency. Um, Virgo is if something's not right, then tweak and refine until it feels right. Yeah. I feel like, I feel like I'm, I'm going with you on strategy. Um, Mm. but strategy paired with adaptation. Yes. Correct. You know, be willing to adapt. That's the sign of, uh, in that, like the sign of intelligence, 
is your ability to adapt. And this is it. I think this is where biology, well, where we get strayed from the truth is that we hear this saying that only the strongest survive, but biology is proven it's those that are willing to adapt who survive. Yeah. Yes. So, so adaptability <laughs> will be the key. Adaptability. Stay adaptable. Stay moldable. Mold, but be moldable, I guess, is what, <laughs> what we're saying here. Yeah. So, all oh. right. Well, Cass, where can people find you? What do you got going on? Oh, well, you can find me on my website, CassandraTindall.com. And what have I got going on? Well, I'm about to launch a webinar about the eighth house. I haven't uh, put a date on it yet, but stay tuned for that. And there's my membership. I do a club called the Golden Circle, which um, we do, you know, all the astrology um, and there's, you know, all the, you know, added benefits and things there. So you can find that on the website too. And oh, I teach and I write and I do all the things, but you know, the social media is on there, but my website's the main way to go and get on my email list is probably the best way to stay in the loop. Love it. And of, of mm. course, I always share a blog for each uh, podcast. So go, um, you know, come visit me at energeticprinciples.com in case you want a, a straight shot to Cassandra. I will have that information so that you can get to her there. Um, and yeah, so I, what, what else do I have to say here? My brain has been scrambled by all that we, <laughs> all we've got to say. You can find me on the social medias over at Energetic Principles on Instagram, where I share somewhat regular updates. I do what I can. You know, astrology moves fast. I got to do it when I'm inspired. You know how that world's correct. Um, I, of course, do uh, consultations if you're interested in such. Um, And if you listen to the beginning of this program, you'll uh, remember that I was talking about Shu Yap's upcoming solar return course uh, that Christina Caudill of Radiant Astrology is putting on. So if you're interested in that, you can find the link also in my blog post and where you listen to this podcast. Um, So so, all right. What else? What else here? You know, if you like what you heard, leave a nice review wherever you listen to this podcast, share it with friends, spread the good word, um, and you know, get it out there. Like let get Mercury's in Virgo, work that magic, right? People need to know what's going on. So, all right, Cassandra, it's always a pleasure getting to chat with you. Uh, hopefully next time it won't be so long, not so long that I haven't chatted with you because we haven't yes, talked exactly over a, a while. So, I yeah. know, right? That's yeah. it's the uh, fast pace of time right now. It's right. Time feels very different. Mm. It does. It does. So, well, so great to connect with you. Absolutely. You are welcome back anytime. I'd love to be here. And thanks everyone for listening. Absolutely. Thank you for tuning in with us for all this time. We wish you a wonderful Virgo season. Uh, And as always, may the stars be with you. 